Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 106 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, Husker fans and college football fans. Hello, everybody. So we are coming to you on a Tuesday evening this week to discuss uh, Nebraska's game against Illinois and their upcoming game against Fordham. Um, This was week zero of college football, as they refer to it, so there weren't really that many... uh, big games to talk about, but we'll get more into that in the weeks to come on the national side of things. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, we're going to do our tradition of cracking a beverage before we start our podcast. Uh, And I think uh, all Nebraska fans could use a drink right now, so this is appropriate. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are you drinking, buddy? I have here a uh, Sapporo uh, which is a Japanese beer that uh, you oh. may have had when you were uh, visiting I, Olivia in Tokyo. I do remember that beer. Yes. Yeah, I, I had I, it there and I quite liked it. I am drinking a Bell's Oberon, which has, you know, actually become quite well known, not just in, you know, Michigan and the Midwest, but uh, even further out. It's a beer they generally only uh, make for the summer. So it's kind of a summer beer. Uh, made by Bell's Brewing uh, right here in the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Here we go. There we go. All right. All righty. And I happen to be sitting uh, um, in uh, uh, Traverse City State Park uh, right in our hometown here. We're, we're, we're camping right, right in our hometown, uh, but right on Lake Michigan. It's a gorgeous uh, spot really a beautiful view and a beach and i'm sitting at the fire all right look at you yeah i'm just in my bedroom as always but you know that's how it goes getting the good audio here (laughs) yeah my good audio includes you know nature (laughs) there you go all right um so talking about this Illinois game, uh, as usual, we will start with uh, what our predictions were from the last podcast. We, of course, predicted a Nebraska victory over Illinois. Um, you predicted a little bit more high scoring, saying it was going to be uh, 41-34. And I predicted uh, 35-31, lo- slightly lower scoring. Uh, and then the final score ended up being 30-22, um, so a little bit lower scoring than either of us uh, thought. You know, it, it turned into a combination of kind of a defensive battle of both sides, as well as uh, costly mistakes uh, leading to easy points. Right. I, I would agree with both of those statements. Yes. And it should be noted that um, you actually were uh, working on Saturday, so you were only catching the game in snippets. Um, I was. I was listening a little bit on the radio. I was picking up some updates, you know, from Twitter and things like that uh, as I was uh, driving for a tour, uh, the commitment that I made, not thinking that I'm an idiot. Well, I'm just, I'm an idiot. That's all <laughs> that's, that's all anybody needs to know is that I'm an idiot and I, I, I doubled up. So, uh, but probably good for me as far as my heart condition that I didn't watch it live. 
Yes. Well, it was funny because I there was also a Smash Brothers tournament that weekend, um, which I'm a fan of as a video game guy. Uh, and so I had it kind of set up where I had Nebraska on the big screen and then Smash on my laptop, you know, so I could kind of multitask a bit. Um, yes. And then, but after how the uh, first half ended, which was with uh, Martinez's fumble that led to a quick touchdown, touchdown. by Illinois, yeah. I swapped that scenario where Smash was on the big TV, Nebraska was on the <laughs> on the laptop, so I could uh, easily look away when I got too disgusted to watch. <laughs> yep, I get it. Yeah, uh, but when you were watching the game, you know. Uh, Early on, you know, in the first quarter and then into the second, um, both teams were kind of slow to start, you know, three and outs kind of on both sides of the ball uh, as both offenses were kind of struggling to get going. But, you know, they were the ones actually who had um, some penalties early on. Like I recall, there was a kickoff return, which went to like the 40 or 50 yard line and then got called back because of like a holding call. And so then they you know, had to start like back on the 25 or something like that, you know, so early on we hadn't made any penalties and they were the ones kind of making some mistakes and we managed to score uh, a touchdown. Um, so I believe the score was uh nine, two at that Correct. point in the second quarter before oh, yeah. the uh, interception that we got that then got called back by two penalties, which I think was the, the momentum shifter of the whole game Absolutely. right there. Well, and, and actually both penalties were on the same player. They were both on uh, our, our uh, outside linebacker um, um, number two, and somehow some people thought that that was Martinez. And so that, I, I got a, okay. a Twitter comment saying Martinez was the one. I'm thinking, what the hell was he saying on the sidelines that would have caused him to get a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty? You know, what's in his head? So I was particularly angry with Adrian because I was thinking he was the one that was guilty of doing that. But but in in fact they were both. Um, um, oh gosh, his name is escaping me now. Uh, I'm just so frustrated. Um, <laughs> uh, number two, um, he's from Georgia. Anyway, um, um, he he actually had a great tackle on the quarterback, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, in uh, 2000, let's say five or six. And before that would have been a highlight play that would have been replayed on on um, uh, ESPN and and had been used by coaches to say this is a perfect form tackle of a quarterback. Okay, Uh, but now it's it's excessive roughness, you know, and uh, it's personal foul. Um, And it did end up doing something to the shoulder of the of the uh, quarterback uh, for Illinois. And um, um, probably hurt us in a couple of ways. Obviously, number one, uh, there was that 30 yards of penalties that flipped the field and was huge in, in their ability to score uh, right then. But, um, but it was equally important in that uh, we took out Peters and they put in their backup. Well, when they did that, they really simplified their game plan and just started pounding the rock at us. Well, Up until that time... I was going to say, was throwing it. You, you're actually, um, I think you're mixing things up a bit because when Peters got hit and went out, their first team quarterback, um, that wasn't the personal foul penalty. 
Um, that was earlier in the game, you know. So by this point, they were already playing their second team guy because uh, I distinctly remember because the guy released the ball and our guy got there, you know, and it was a legal tackle. But I think what the refs didn't like was that he, you know, forced his full body weight down and you know drilled him into yes. the ground. He did. Uh, see, I, I'm pretty sure that was Peters, but maybe it was Sitkowski, and he survived that. Huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to believe you because I have no reason not to. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty but, sure on that. But, but bottom line, it was I, I'm pretty sure I am right about the player, and that's why he got both penalties. Right. Because he said something unsportsmanlike after he made the tackle. Right. And I, I think the commentators got confused, too, because I also had thought that that was Adrian – who uh, who got called for the taunting, but they didn't show anything, so it was a it was a confusing situation. But um, what's yeah. funny was that I was re-listening to our previous podcast episode 105, where we were talking about the lead up to the game, and you specifically mentioned our game against Purdue in the 2020 season, where um, we got an important three and out against or not three and out, but you know a third down stop against Purdue. You know they were going to punt the ball, except then on that play there were two penalties against us for 30 yards you know that then you know flipped the field and they ended up scoring or whatever and you're like we can't let that happen again well we let it happen again and it was even worse (laughs) because it was an interception that got taken away right exactly i mean you you know the you could write a script and just say push the repeat button and that's what Nebraska does uh, with Coach Frost as the as the coach and his t- and his coaching staff. It's really remarkable to me how consistently they make mistakes. And 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 I and I say they in that I mean the coaches. Um, I mean they they just put these guys in bad situations and they make bad choices. I mean at some point you have to acknowledge that you know certain players are not primetime players. They're not the guys that are going to step up when you need them most. They're going to they're going to find a way to crumble. And Adrian is one of those guys. I mean, in in this game, countless occasions, the first one being of course the 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 uh the wide open uh receiver uh for a touchdown who gets overthrown, right? Um and then uh um and then uh when when we're actually starting to build some momentum where we might be able to get, get ourselves back in the game where we still had enough time to do something about it. Um, you know, uh, he, he, he makes a, another bonehead decision where he's running. All he has to do is put his foot in the ground and turn up field and he gets a first down. Instead, he keeps running sideways, ends up getting tackled before the first down marker when he was literally within a yard of the first mm-hmm. down marker. If he just puts his foot in the ground and falls forward, he gets a first down. That's that's all he had to do. Yep. But instead, I, he thought he thought he would be able to run to the outside or something and get more yards. I don't know, but you get the goddamn first down, okay? Somebody who understands what they're doing gets that, right? Yeah. But Adrian seems to make the absolute worst decision at the worst possible time. Of course, the fumble. You know, when he did the when he did have the fumble there late in the fir- first first half. Um, you know, again, you, you, you can't you can't keep doing that stuff. And and expect to win football games, and and yet we have we have no backup, we we have no legitimate, power five proven backup quarterback. Yeah. Our two backups are both basically freshmen who've never played. 
Right. And yeah, I remember that specific play you're talking about where Martinez could have fallen forward for the first down and didn't. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in his defense, on the case of the fumble, it was one of those weird situations where he had, you know, he was going to pass, the pocket was breaking down, and he was transitioning from pass to run. And then as right. that was happening, some guy hit him from behind and yep. popped the football out. But, and that's that that goes back to him being a slow decision maker. He's always just a little bit, you know, and even when he's in the pocket and he wants to scramble, you know, if he's decisive and he just when he makes the decision to go, he just goes. He does well many times. But it's amazing how often when he makes that decision to leave, he starts looking around to say, where's the hole? Instead of just tucking it and go, you know, again, trying to make the best decision rather than a good decision. And someone when he back when he was a freshman should have been able to coach him and say, what do you want? If you're always going to try to seek the absolute best decision, you're going to be frozen in your decision making. You're going to have analysis paralysis. OK, uh, you need to simplify your analysis process. If you see even a little bit of an opening, take it, get what you can and move on to the next play. Make sure it's positive. OK, be decisive. He is not. He sits there and dances around and and then ends up, you know, making three yards when if he had just made the decision promptly, number one, he would have made way more yards running. And I think he's less likely to have this come from the backside, you know, surprise tackle shit that he gets into almost every game. Mm -hmm. So, again, uh, uh, the decision, though, is about Scott Frost and his staff not having a backup. Okay, they could have gone to the portal. Uh, this past year, more than ever before, with the portal, there were co- there were quarterbacks that were available that he that they could have aggressively, much more aggressively than they did, recruited with the idea that that they would have had a legitimate power five backup quarterback, and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, and you know, I from what I we discussed on the spring game, you know, um, I'm blanking on the, his name, but our second team guy right now, he's another one of these quarterbacks, Smothers. Smothers. Yeah, he's another one of these quarterbacks that looks like uh, a good athlete. You know, can really run the ball, physical guy, uh, but can't throw it consistently. You know, and right. That's what we've had for you know twelve 10, years. Twelve years, pretty much. Yeah. And yep. I, don't, no, I know the formula hasn't worked out so far. <laughs> well, and again, uh, our defense has the same weakness that it's had for quite a while. You know, we actually looked pretty darn good at times in the game uh, last Saturday. Um, uh, our guys were being aggressive. They were they were trying hard. There wasn't an issue of effort. But the bottom line is they don't know they don't know or don't know have not been properly coached and how to defend the run and to make sure somebody can't just line up and smash you um and and get you know four yards of carry which is what once they figured out once illinois figured out that they could do that the game was effectively over then they were able to control the clock a great deal and they just pounded the rock right once they got their lead i uh, when uh we were discussing the game uh this past weekend and i told you that you should watch uh at least parts of the game um 
you know, uh, recorded. Um, so you could see some of the good stuff that was there. And one of the th- highlights that I did appreciate was that, you know, uh, our defensive line was getting some serious push against their offensive line, which we talked in the previous podcast about how many returning starters they had on that offensive yeah. line. You know, oh. we got three sacks, um, you know, some batted down passes, you know, the, the interception that would have been, you know, uh, a great play right. if it had actually been able to stand. Um, right. So, to me, you know, one it's frankly it's the same thing I've been saying the whole time with Scott Frost. <laughs> the defense yeah. has serious problems. You know, they let some like big plays get by them. You know, they shouldn't have. Exactly. Uh, but at right. the end of the day, they were generally doing what they needed to do. If the offense would just stop, you know, putting them in terrible situations, terrible field positions, right. and and then just giving the uh the opposing team free points like with the fumble or with the safety by cam taylor Britt. right exactly i mean that safety by cam taylor Britt is uh, inexcusable for a senior right right or a junior i guess he's officially a junior but i mean for an experienced player who's like in his third year as a starter for him to do that is unthinkable okay a high school team their players know not to do that yeah. Okay. And then he throws the ball out of bounds in that situation rather than just taking once he had made the mistake, just do everything you can to lean forward and avoid the, the, uh, um, right. The safety. Uh, safety. But, but instead he flings the ball out of bounds and, uh, thinking somehow that's going to work. <laughs> Right. <laughs> which it's not right. So, well, and that's one I, of those areas where we see the absence of Wandale Robinson. Cause he was our well, kickoff guy, yeah. but here's the thing. Well, but here's the thing. This is special teams, an area that, that coach Frost had identified and highlighted and said, this was going to be a focus of ours in the spring and in fall camp that we were going to get better there. Cause it was clearly uh, an area that was unacceptably bad last year. And what do we get for special teams in the first game after all this supposed focus and effort by the coaches to get these guys to do the right things? We have uh, one of our leaders, our captains, make that bonehead decision that we just described, right, the the safety. We have our only all-conference player, our field goal kicker, uh, miss two extra points during the game, um, plus – our punter, who's a new punter, I will concede, but we have rec- we recruited and and had walk on tryouts of umpteen punters, and we have a guy that's from freaking Australia, who's here, and he kicks the ball for twenty six yards. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I mean they flipped the field on us multiple times in that game. Now they have an all American punter, and he is phenomenal. I mean he put us. You know, inside the 10 yard, on the one yard line once and the nine yard line another time. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. And their kicker kicked it out of the end zone, never gave us a chance to to do anything in terms of the kicking game. Uh, uh, So, I mean, that's a sound football team. That football team uh, is not going to be super successful because you hit on it. Their offensive line, even though it has all those starts, really struggled to keep us out. And I don't know that we're very good. Uh, along the defensive line, especially when it comes to pressure. And yet we look like we were <laughs> for parts of that game. But I think they will be able to run the ball effectively. I think they're they're going to be a team that will grind. And if they don't get behind, if teams aren't able to be explosive and, and basically pull them out of their running attack because they fall behind, then 
that's a team that can win some football games based on their running game and their outstanding kicking game. Yeah, and you might recall near the end of the game, they scored and then had a uh, personal foul penalty that pushed back the kickoff by 15 yards. Um, right. And the guy still kicked it into the end zone, which I thought right. was like, wow, that's impressive. That's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. That's just craziness. So, that's stupid. So, yeah, yeah, the discrepancy on special teams was uh, very evident. It's though enormous. They, they did. Yeah. They missed one field goal. I had kind of forgotten yep, about that. He did. But it was a 55-yarder, yep. so that's going to be right. hard for anybody. And then our guy, Connor Culp, made the field goal that he needed to make. He, he just missed he the extra points that should be way easier. You know? Right. And right. it was funny because the commentators literally said, the Big Ten kicker of the year last year, and then he misses the extra point. It was like comical almost. Yes, um, exactly. And then also, talking about Adrian, um, some points – you know, it's it's those concept points of frustration because, like you say, Adrian missed these that guy who was blatantly open in the in the end zone. You know, some other guys that were open later in the game, and he just kept overthrowing them. Um, right. But then, literally, the play after that missed thing to the end zone, he did this uh, f- flick of the ball like nine yards pitch. to the side. Yeah, pitch. Yeah pitch, pitch. yeah, pitch play, you know, to our guy that got us, you know, a solid gain of like six yards or something like that. And the commentators were like, well, that's like way t- 10 times harder than the throw that he just missed, you know, to the end zone. So how does he right. do that? And then also later on the game, he had a throw to a guy who was covered pretty well by the Illinois guy. And our receiver made a great catch. Adrian was right on point. It was like a 40, 50 yard, you know, pass. And it was like, well, that right. was great. You know, but but he's, you know, the inconsistency is still there. You know, I saw that he was, he was, he seemed like he was more willing to stand still in the pocket, you know, and not scramble out as quickly, which is something I've criticized him for in the past. So I was glad to see that adaptation. But like you say, he was still slow on making his progressions um, through his receivers. Absolutely. And he locks on too. I mean, like he only sees half the field usually. Like if he's looking left, you never see his helmet turn the uh, to the other way, and and again we have uh, a, a lot of talented receivers supposedly, but none of them could create separation. None of them could get open, which which just blows me away that either our our route combinations are so easily scouted by the defenses that we're playing against that they're able to to uh, um, prepare for us and just you know cover us like a blanket or our guys aren't trying hard enough, or because of the way we practice, which is what I, this, this is the real point that I think, is because of the way we practice, our guys come into a game. Oh, there was another great one. Okay, we had a great pass completion that was called back because of a, uh, oh, the pick of a pass center. Yeah, the pick play. Well, right. guess what? Uh, like the, uh, that is a play that, that is a rub route. That is designed to have that uh, collision or that, contact occur between the the other wide receiver and a defensive back that's that's the whole point of all these damn route patterns that they do but you know what our receiver was surprised because uh, i'm sure in practice so that they don't run into each other every time what is our defensive back doing because he knows our offensive scheme he's avoiding that contact right he's going around it right because he knows where it's coming he knows the route combination well, that defensive back uh, for Illinois didn't necessarily do that. He he ran right through it, right? He ran into it. And our receiver, rather than doing what he was supposed to, which was to look back to the 
quarterback and act like he was running a route uh, and just have the contact, that's what you have to do, then the flag doesn't get thrown. Then it's just incidental, incidental contact. If he doesn't put his arms up, Alex, and he's looking back at the quarterback, that doesn't get called. But because he put his arms up to protect himself on that collision, it's a penalty. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's because of that's how they practice. The way they practice, he's not running into that guy. The way they practice, they're not asking them to have that rub, that physical contact. They're avoiding that contact. Yeah. Okay. Be, I was just thinking that uh, that pass play to the end zone where the guy was wide open they were talking about earlier. That was also one of those rub routes because I remember on the replay, it was. Uh, the commentators noticed that they were like, ooh, that one was on the edge in terms of like right. its legality well, or whatever. Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of our routes that are like that. But my, my point is, is that that receiver made a huge mistake. And again, I think it's because of how we practice that he wasn't prepared for the physicality of that collision. And you have to play your part. You have to be the actor, okay, in that situation, as uh, no matter what the result is. Yeah. Which might include you getting your bell rung, right? Because uh, uh, you're basically going into contact unprotected. You're not, you can't put your arms up, even though, even though you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be looking back at the quarterback like you're on a, you're on a route. And right. uh, and he didn't do it, and that was a forty-four yard completion, yep, and nope. would have flipped the field for us. And we, and we ended up uh, having a, a running play for nothing or something, and then uh, a seven-yard sack, and we had to punt. Yep, no, that that was another momentum turner. I remember that in the exactly. Game. Um, exactly. Speaking about injuries, um, obviously, you know. Uh, it, you don't want to ever celebrate a player's injury, but you know, I was obviously happy when our guy sacked their first team quarterback. And then he went out with that shoulder injury. Um, and it was a pretty serious one. Cause he went into the locker room and took off his pads and everything else. They had a couple guys go down over the course of the game as well they as uh, two umpires, which I've never seen before in my right. years of watching college football. Uh, meanwhile, I don't think we had any uh, guys go down during the course of the game. Well, I, I think we, we had some guys that, that got hurt and then just never returned, but they didn't like it didn't happen on a play where they had to be helped off the field. Right. But we did have some injuries uh, to one of our inside linebackers. I know. I noticed that while I was watching it uh, uh, on the replay. But um, uh, the other thing I would say is um, that that's actually going to hurt them, that that Illinois team, which was already kind of questionably good, right? Right. Even though they have 42 seniors. Um, uh, I mean, they're a, they're a mature team. They're a physical team. And with uh, Coach Belima understands how to win football games. It, it's the game within the game is, is what, what, what that they refer to that as, right? Like you're just trying to do the little things now that you've, you're into the second quarter. You're making adjustments. You're saying, okay, what can I do well? And then even like late in the game, like you said, when that second referee went down, there was no referee now in the middle of the field because they didn't have a third. They only have one alternate. So once once that guy went down, there wasn't another alternate behind him. So they just finished the game off with one less official. So now all the officials had to pick up the additional duty of looking in the middle, which was where offensive linemen and defensive linemen are. So holding was way more prevalent and available to you as an offensive strategy uh, from the moment that that guy left 
the field. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did we take advantage of that? I don't think so. <laughs> I couldn't tell a whole lot. Did they? You're damn right they did. Okay. <laughs> and again, that's 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 well coached. That's a team that understands that no one's looking, so I can cheat a little more. I can be a little more aggressive with my holding and make sure that I get this guy leveraged so that I can have a block, you know. Uh, but did we do that? No. Did our coaches even talk to our offensive line about it? I don't know. I would question whether that was even discussed. I would love to know if that was even discussed. Yeah, and I did think about that when that second umpire went down too. How does that change yeah. like the meta of the situation? Um, right. But and then sadly, this is another game where when you look at the stats, uh, we were better than them on most stats, not by much. But you know, uh, we had 160 rushing yards; they had 167. We were 232 on passing; they were 159. Um, so that left us with 392 total offense to their 326. Um, and we had three sacks. They had five on us. Uh, we were five of 14 on third downs. They were six of 13. Um, but then you look at the big, big one is time of possession, right? They were 35 yeah. minutes to our 25. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's a, that's a bugaboo of the, of the Scott yep. Frost era. And, and they, they did have one fumble and we had one fumble, but our fumble uh, was an immediate, easy touchdown. Yep. Yep. Whereas with uh, yep. their fumble Open score, I, I think that might be the one where we went and got a field goal. I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent on what, what we did with that, with that turnover. Um, yeah, but I, I don't, yeah, but so the, the final verdict basically from the game was that sadly it looked just like last year's team, you know, mm-hmm. you know, some, some improvement in some areas, you know, some, some bits. Oh, oh the, the glimpses. Looked, yeah. There are glimpses, Alex, that we could be a good, good football team. Like, like you know, our defensive line is going to be solid. I think our linebackers showed that they were probably better than people might have thought. We already knew our secondary was going to be pretty good, and I thought the secondary in general played really well. Uh, solid football. They didn't get the turnovers that I would have hoped for, but they played solid football. So defensively, it's a team that looks like we could do okay. The one. Uh, um, Achilles heel that still exists and that's going to come in and rear its ugly head this whole season is our inability to stop the run. When someone is, is going to run the football because they have a lead and you know they're going to primarily be running the football, you have to be able to bow your necks, get tough, and stop them because now you know what they're going to do, right? So the, the element of surprise to some extent is diminished a little bit, right? And you, you need to find a way uh, to, to stop that. What did we do after we had that negative thing happen with the, uh, scoop and score there late in the, in the half. So we end up going in, not tied, but down, you know, what was it? 16 to nine. Yep. What did we do in the, at the beginning of the fourth or third quarter, we gave up a 14 play, you know, seven and a half, eight minute drive and another score. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Right. How do you allow that to happen? If you're a good defense, you know, so all the stuff, all the statistics and stuff that you described earlier that says, hey, you know what? We, we, we played okay defensively. You did, except for when I needed you to step up and, 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 and make a stand, you were unable to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's yeah. huge. Well, and to, to the defense's credit, um, near the end of the game, 
you know, there was that whole sequence where we 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 scored. It was a long, you know, uh, start and stop kind of drive, but we did score. Then the defense got the ball. They got one first down, which obviously we would have liked to avoid, but the defense did stop them from getting the second first down. So we got the ball back with like a minute left and we had a right. chance to, you know, do something with it. Yep. But even at that point, we were down eight points. So even if we had gone down there and scored, we would have had to get two just to go into overtime because of those missed extra points right. and the safety and which all is, that. You know, that would have been great if we could have done that. But again, why that previous drive, you're right. That drive was uh, impressive and that it was like 19 plays. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that, that we've had many, <laughs> many offensive drives that were more than 19 plays in, in, in quantity of plays. Right. But part of that was because, again, I think we had a penalty, uh, at least one, in that sequence, too, that we had to overcome. And then um, inexplicably, there were some opportunities that were missed by Adrian in that sequence that would have allowed us to maybe score sooner. And then we, we finally we get down inside the five-yard line, and, and time is a, is a factor, and we run it into the uh, gut two times. We, we run two plays where we're running the ball basically right at them. Two plays in a row, and we, we, we get virtually nothing. And then we end up throwing a little flip pass on the, th- on the third play, and we get the touchdown. But we wasted all the time associated with two running plays. When The one time I want Scott Frost to throw the football, he runs it up the gut with the most mundane, basic bullshit two, twice in a row. That's not the time to set up that third down little flip pass. I'm sorry, you, you needed to have already had that set up, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> if that's right. what you were trying to do. I mean, that's crazy. I, and I've got, I actually have a little uh, play-by-play from ESPN up here reminding me. So it, it ended up being fourth and goal at the Illinois four, and that's where we scored. And you might remember yeah. that was also um, our, 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 our snapping from our center had looked yes. good the whole game up until yep. this crucial drive right. and a exactly. one goes way over Adrian's head and sets us back like 20 yards. And it was like, yes. Jesus Christ. Well, and amazingly, Adrian didn't recover that ball. Yep. He should have, but he turned around, you know, as, as, as athletic as he is, how does he not? And as many times as that's happened to him, how does he not do <laughs> He's that? And, and again, as a senior, what does he do? Does he fall on it just to secure the ball? Because possession is, is the ultimate at that point. What does he try to do? He tries to pick it up rather than diving and curling up like you're supposed to to just secure the ball again. Accept that a, a negative play has happened. Let's, let's regroup and, and try again on the next play. Nope. Adrian, in his infinite wisdom, uh, thinks it's, it's the right decision to try to pick it up and continue the play. Now, why would you do that? God, you got to believe that he's been coached not to do that. And if he hasn't been coached not to do that by our coaches, again, that's on the coaches. How could you not know that was what you should do? But he didn't. He tried to pick it up and, and somebody else came and actually recovered the ball. It wasn't Adrian. Yes. These are things that I see that cause me to just freak out as a guy who coached high school football because they're things that my high school players know. Mm-hmm. You see, it just it just makes no sense to me that 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 they would do that. And again, that's a that's an Adrian 
in a crisis situation, critical play, the most important plays of the game, and almost every time his decision is wrong. Yep. But- it, it's just amazing. When someone's under pressure, you know, you have two choices. How often do you make the right one? Adrian makes the wrong one a lot. Right. Well, you, so you may remember at the beginning of the uh, at the early in the second half, um, they got uh, another touchdown, which puts them up 39 over us. They got that with like a, a big pass play, helped them out there. So now we're down right. 21 points in the third quarter and it's really looking bad. And then we get the ball and Adrian breaks out our run for 75 yards for a touchdown, yeah. you know, and exactly. brings us back to 14, you know? So there was right. a moment where I was really feeling like, Oh God, the game is over. And then he got that. And it's like, okay, we're right. back in it. You know, we're, we're competitive still. So right. Adrian still has, you know, that, but that go but factor again, to him, but, he does. <laughs> but, but that wasn't a critical play that at that point, most people are saying this game's over. The pressure's off. You know, it's like the, the defense relaxed a little bit. In fact, the commentators, went on at length about that, that they were like, Oh, this was the one thing Illinois couldn't do. You know, and if you just relax even a little bit, then Adrian's going to make you pay. And he did. But the point is, is that Adrian can do that in a play. And you know, what was else was special about that play. He was decisive when he decided to tuck it and go, he was decisive. He didn't dance around and try to find the hole. He just took off. Okay. And he put it, on the afterburners. That was a beautiful run, no doubt. Uh, and, and again, that's the athleticism of his um, uh, teasing you. But his decision-making, his brain, is not wh- what's going to lead us to great success consistently unless he stops making these bad decisions that are so fundamentally basic. That's the part that's so frustrating to me. Yep. Darn it. Yep, <laughs> yep I agree, I agree. So talking about the post-game, um, I didn't watch the interviews with Frost, but I saw some of the the highlights of his comments afterwards. Yes, and, as well as like his. Uh, I think they talked to him after the practice on Monday, and um, two highlights from what I saw were that um, he basically said, "I don't know what more we could have done to like prepare the team for this game." And then he also mentioned uh, half our game plan went out the window when they lined up how they did in reference to the defense. Um, which may be the honest truth of, you know, how he feels, but man, it doesn't sound bad. No, it, oh, it, it sounds awful. And, and you're right. He probably did feel that way. He was being honest. He was saying, man, we, we had tried to anticipate everything they might do. They had probably uh, spent the whole summer, you know, combing over all the assistant coaches from that Belima had brought in and, and um, um, you know, figured out, uh, what their histories were and stuff to find out what the tendencies were likely to do. Uh, but you'll recall what I said uh, in an earlier prod- podcast. Uh, well, I don't think it was the last one, but in a recent podcast, we were talking about Illinois and specifically about the point that Illinois had a new coach and new coaches. Right. And I said, well, uh, it was amazing to me that he had been able to talk 22, you know, seniors into staying and, Ends, ends up with 22 super seniors and 42 or 45 uh, total seniors on his team. Tons of maturity, et cetera, et cetera. Amazing feat by that coach, right? Well, if I had that much maturity in, in seniors, what would I do? I would probably try to change as little as possible early in the season. Yes, I'm coaching my kids on my, my future concepts of what kind of offense and defensive schemes I want to play. 
but I would be finding out what they what they coached uh, last year with the previous staff, and I would be trying to keep as much of that basically in place as I could, adding a couple of wrinkles that don't put a lot of mental burden on those uh, very senior-laden kids and let them just play and do what they already have muscle memory to do. And I think that's what Belima did. Mm -hmm. Yep, it makes a certain amount of sense. And then our offensive coordinator, I believe today, Matt Lubick, said that uh, the staff had talked internally about Illinois coming on with an even front and had a separate call sheet prepared for that. So kind of counteracting a little bit the idea that, you know, half the game plan went out the window when they lined up that way. Um, But my thought process when I first read that quote was, even if that's true, even if they took you by surprise, you know, you have time to adapt. That's what the whole halftime is for. Right. And our favorite coach, Tom Osborne was well known for being good at making halftime adjustments. Um, So how are you so incapable of that? Cause like you say, they came out in the second half, scored two touchdowns quickly and we did squat. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now I will concede like, you know, their, uh, you know, um, that pass play that you talked about earlier that Illinois had, that Sikowski threw uh, to his receiver down to the one, that was an incredible pass. He was, mm-hmm. he was well defended. Our defense was exactly doing what they were supposed to do. That was just a spectacular pass and catch. That's all that was. But here's the thing. That was a, that was a guy who was a defensive back like three weeks ago who made that catch. Okay. So they're able to switch a guy who they see as an athlete and, and they say, you know what, you're not going to be starting a defensive back because we have all these other guys, but man, you're too good of an athlete to have on the sidelines. Let's bring you over to wide receiver and see what you can do and see if you can help us more quickly there, right? And yet, and we have the JUCO number one you know, recruit in all of JUCO, Omar Manning, and he gets one pass thrown to him the whole game uh, and he, he's not even starting. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's in a rotation and he, and he hardly sees the field and doesn't get uh, passes thrown to him. You know, how can you not be featuring that guy? Even if it's just three or four plays, if he's having struggle, uh, struggling to understand the playbook, then you shorten the playbook for him and you put him in only in certain plays, but you give him the ball. You find ways for that guy to be the man, right? Because he's such a freak athlete. Did we do that for him or Betts or any of our talented wide receivers that we've been hearing about for the entire offseason? Nope, none of them. Torre was probably the only one, you know, he got, you know, two or three catches. Um, but that was it. Otherwise, right. we were throwing the ball to uh, walk-ons. That, uh, yeah, uh, Martin actually got the most yards yeah, well, on the Martin, team. Yeah, Martin. Martin's not a walk-on, but, but he's a transfer. But again... Uh, so yeah, Oliver Martin is, is the real deal, but a lure was the one that we threw to in the end zone that we overthrew. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a six foot nine tight end who played really well late last season and we only got him the ball one time and we overthrew him. How do you overthrow? <laughs> a six I was foot remembering nine that. <laughs> yeah. Admit, it's crazy. Admittedly, there was wind was a factor in this game because mm-hmm. like the kicking when you were in the wind versus against the wind was definitely noticeable, I, the difference. But uh, still, yeah. like once again, this is Adrian as a fourth year, you know, senior player, mm-hmm. you know, you've yep. played enough games, you should know how to adjust your pass, you know, when the wind's at your back or whatever. 
Exactly. So, so uh, again, um, uh, uh, I'm beating a dead horse, but summary, poorly coached, not prepared, blame this on the coaches. Right. And uh, the, uh, you look at the athletes, we clearly have some, some athletes. We have some players on our team. I mean, there, uh, there's, it's promising when I see the individual plays. Mm-hmm. What I what what's not promising is I don't think we have the mental fortitude or toughness to stop a running game, and uh, on the defensive side and offensively we're a mess uh, from a coaching standpoint. Yeah. Special teams were a mess. Well, you you want to hear a depressing stat? Um, okay, sure. This comparison isn't quite fair um, because Scott hasn't had his fourth year yet, and one of his years was a COVID year with less games. Uh, but by the end of his fourth year, Bill Callahan was 27 and 22. And right now, Scott Frost is 12 and 21. So yes. he's one oh, loss away from as many as Bill Callahan in his four years. I know. I, yeah. And we were ready to run him out on a rail at that point. Yeah. Um, now, Scott inherited a different situation than Bill Callahan did, in my opinion. Yes. Um, so it's hard to compare those types of situations. But there's no doubt. And, you know, and, and I mean, even this game, I mean, bizarro world stuff happening again uh, that that just is inexplicable. Um, you know, like a fourth-year um, player, you know, catching a punt in the end zone and getting a safety. Um, I mean, the kind of mental errors that are just so off-the-wall crazy that you just can't believe one team could do all those things to screw themselves. Right. You know, and, and yet we do it. And and I'll concede to Scott's credit that like, you know, a few of the games over the course of his career can mm-hmm. be surmounted to like bad luck. You know, like they had a, oh, yeah. a drive at the end of the game, you know, that won him the game off of some weird, you know, mistake. But but there's too much bad luck for it to just be bad luck. Mm-hmm. Like no no team, you know, continually oh. makes these this many mistakes, you know, right. for no reason. <laughs> right. Well, and the penalties too. I mean, right. at some point, you, you've got to question how you're coaching your guys in terms of their blocking technique and stuff when you get all these holding calls and when the other team doesn't. I mean, Scott Frost was losing his shit <laughs> in that game late uh, in the fourth quarter on that big drive. He was still yelling at the ref like two or three plays later when um, um, uh, you know a penalty that should have been called that was really quite obvious, uh, ben, ben Hart, was literally punched in the face by a defensive lineman from uh, Ben Hart as our right tackle. And he was punched in the face after the play. I mean, he was shoved and, and his helmet went up and the whole deal. And Ben Hart is six foot nine. Kind of hard to miss him. And yet the refs didn't call that. And, and Scott lost his shit over that because it was like, it was so blatant and so obvious. Right. Well, and that's another one of those that was after the the second backup ref had been injured. Right. There wasn't right. somebody I, right probably, there. there. I, you know, I don't remember if it was before or after that. But but the point is, we get so screwed on uncalled penalties that would have benefited us. And then we get the, the interception, you know, penalty again. You watch that play. And does 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 he drive that quarterback into the ground a little bit? Yeah, he does. OK, he does. But but again, he he didn't hit him high or do anything illegal. Oh, God, all he oh, did was tackle you, him hard. You should have seen because at first it was sounding like from what the 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 commentators were saying that it was going to be targeting or like um what do you want to say like you yeah know, targeting yeah. Uh, or, okay. or or 
you know, going high into the opponent. I'm forgetting right. what that's called. Um, right. And I saw the replay and I was about to like scream my head off because I was like, <laughs> there's no way that's targeting. He didn't hit his head at all. But then they said no. it was unnecessary roughness on the, you know, um, on the. Yeah. Because he, because he pile drived him into the ground. Right. But that's football. Okay. Right. And then, and then for a defensive lineman to have a few choice words to say that, that are taunting, quote, quote, after they have a big tackle that they think is significant, especially after the interception happens as a result, because you rush the quarterback's throw, obviously. I mean, I'm sorry. Those are the kinds of things that are huge momentum swings. And, and Nebraska has been unfairly uh, the, the victim of that. And there's something at play. It's so consistent and has been for quite some time. It's a curse. <laughs> it's right. officially a curse. <laughs> the Nebraska curse. Um, yes. So the final thing I want to bring up, well, and we've still got to talk about Fordham, but final thing about this game is um, on last week's podcast, uh, when we were talking about Trev Alberts as our new AD and everything, you had said that even if Scott uh, – uh, won less than four games this year um, that there would be uh, no way that he would be fired because Trev Alberts uh, wouldn't do that. You know, he wants to like maintain what he's got, but he would give Scott very strict rules to follow for next year, like expectations he needs to meet. Um, right. But I know that uh, the Nebraska fan base is up in arms about this. And we were the most prominent game on this week zero. So there's been a good bit of national media coverage of this as well and like how can nebraska rebuild from this etc cetera, etc cetera. so what is your feeling on that now well um i would acknowledge that maybe i was i was being a little uh high uh, using a little hyperbole in saying that uh uh i mean but i guess my point is is that if, if scott team shows consistently good effort and um, and, um, you know, is just getting beat by better teams, uh, which a lot of the teams we play this year are just better than us. I mean, they have better talent, they have better coaching, they have better everything right now. So, so it's not surprising that we would lose those games. Right. And I think, um, uh, I think that Trev Albers as a new AD doesn't want to have to make that decision in his very first year. I think he's going to want to give Scott a chance and an off season with him as the AD to, um, you know, figure out a, a path to greater success. And, and, and so I, I'm just inclined to believe that that's what he would do. That's that, that's what Trev would do, or that's what he would want to do. Now, if Scott uh, continues to uh, make bonehead comments in the media, um, uh, you know, gives these in, indications, you know, that, that there are obviously, fights and disagreements among the coaching staff and you know the the whole you know thing starts to implode on itself then trev may have no no choice right like he'll have to do it because scott will have demonstrated that he's completely lost it lost control lost the team lost the, his coaching staff etc and the respect isn't there and so rebuilding from there is is untenable and unacceptable um and so then he might pull the trigger and and, and make the change but otherwise, if, if there's good effort and stuff and we just lose, um, I think he'll give Scott uh, one more year Well, after I, this one. I will say, because to me, like, yes, there was 
there was effort on the field. Like we talked about those mm-hmm. defensive players, you know, that made good plays or players that made good individual plays. You know, you could see exactly. the team getting hyped up, especially earlier but, on in the game. But well, and even late the game. Right. Yeah. And and like that nice drive that we talked about that brought us within eight points of uh, Illinois. You know, it wasn't like a blowout or anything. Um, but um, the problem is that this was it's looked like a carbon copy of the past few years in terms of like, we're the more talented team. We were playing, you know, better, you know, in terms of our talent and like how much offense we could produce, you know, and how our defense was doing and all that. But then these mistakes and the penalties and the turnovers, you know, and bonehead decisions like the safety and all that, you know, end up costing you the game and against a team that, you know, you're expected to be better than, you know, I think Nebraska fans can like understand the like, we're going to get our asses kicked by Oklahoma. We're not going to do well against Michigan. You know, we, we understand that, but when you lose, it matters how you lose too. You know, if you lose in a respectable way or if you lose in a boneheaded shoot yourself in the foot way. And I think if we keep seeing more of these shoot yourself in the foot sort of uh, defeats, uh, Scott's gone. That's my prediction. You know what? I, you know, I, I would have to say you may be right. And, 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 and cause I, I genuinely thought that this would look cleaner. Um, I, I, I did. You know, if we lost, I thought we were going to lose because – we would have just simply been uh, out um, uh, matured, for lack of a better term. You know that they would have just been a team that was just better than us because they were physically men. You know, because we have a bunch of sixth-year, you know, guys starting on the offensive line that should be playing in the NFL if they if they have the talent. You know, uh, but um, and our offensive line is young and things of that nature. But. Um, but yeah, if 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 the if these kinds of mistakes and everything continue to happen, then I think you might be right. Travel uh, will be forced to kind of make a decision. I, I just really believe that he doesn't want to do that. That he wants to give Scott a chance, and and um, uh, and he's obviously observing. Uh, so it's going to be really important what happens over the next four or five weeks. The next two weeks, so we can use this as transition. You know, you got Fordham and then Buffalo, two teams that you hope we can have some success against. Certainly Fordham this week. If if he loses or we struggle against Fordham, then I think I think uh, Trev's going to be warming up his cell phone <laughs> for a lot of conversations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, this is a home game, our first home game yep. of the year. And uh, Fordham yep. is a, a team in the Patriot League. Um not particularly well known for their football per se. Um, so this is the easiest team on our schedule. So if we lose here, yeah, it's, it's real danger bells are ringing. Um, in your research on what you've looked into about this team, what are you most concerned about from them? What do you think is their biggest weapon? Uh, well, they were like um, four and eight the last year. They, you know, we played 12 games. And then they had a shortened season last year. They didn't even get a play. I think they only played like four games. Um, and I, uh, maybe they were one and three. Um, they don't have much of anything. Uh, the teams that they lost to, I mean, we're putting 50 points up against them. This is a team that's struggling hugely, okay? So this is a, this is a game that, that provides no benefit for Nebraska other than that it's a payday for that Fordham program. And it's a W for us. But now it will be judged as a, 
how bad did you beat them? If we're struggling and, and Fordham is still in the hunt at halftime, that's going to be viewed as a, as a, as a negative for Nebraska. And the, and the pressure and the, and the booing from the crowd and the expectation from the crowd will, will be present. It'll be palpable in that stadium. Okay. So Nebraska needs to come out against Fordham and like score, you know, at least 14 points in the first half or first quarter, you know, maybe another 14 or 21 in the, in the second quarter and be up by four touchdowns at halftime. If they're not, people are going to freak. <laughs> All right. So it's one of those kinds of games. Uh, that's um, what, that's what it should be. I don't right. know what it's going to be because God knows how many you know points we're going to gift them with stupidity. Right. Yeah. Well, and I certainly hope that, you know, Scott has been, uh, especially on the special team side of things, like really drilling that in um, because, yeah, the how we performed there in this uh, first game was completely unacceptable. Um, in terms of predictions, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll say that we are going to score quite a few points on them, you know, and that we'll we'll you know, if we're up, we'll 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 put off the gas, you know, later on in the second half, you know, we're not going to like put up, you know, 80 on them or something crazy like that. Um, so I guess I'll say, I'll say we win, um, 42, 42 for us and that they get say, uh, 21. Let's go with that. And I'm going to say 48, 21, we win. Okay. Very good. Very good. So let's Cause, hope because our field goal, our field goal kicker is going to miss one extra point. <laughs> I was going to say you're off by one there. <laughs> our big 10, all big 10 kicker. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yep. And then after this Fordham game is Buffalo, who's another, you know, team in a lesser conference, but they've got some real weapons. So they do. You know, we, yeah. Buffalo is a whole different built, deal. Built, yeah. Building confidence and momentum from this victory into that Buffalo game, into the Oklahoma game. That's, that's right. the game plan now. Cause I know on the previous podcast, you said this uh, Illinois game was not only the most important game of the season, but the most important game of Scott Frost's career at Nebraska thus far. And, oh, I think it was, and, and he it, failed. It, it went badly, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so the season's yeah. off on the wrong foot. Now it's up to Scott well, to try to right the ship. Well, right, and, and and so, uh, like you said, I'm glad you encouraged me to watch it and and replay because I did see a, a lot of glimpses of promise. And if they could figure out a way to have the team that can do those things consistently play and play clean then Nebraska would have a chance to right the ship in these next two weeks, go down, at least look competitive against Oklahoma, not, not get the doors blown off you, and then come back and start playing in the Big Ten Conference against Michigan State and Northwestern and Michigan, you know, and that group, and maybe win two out of those three, right? And then all of a sudden, okay, now we've got, you know, four or five wins, and now we've got to pick off an Iowa or a Minnesota, um, you know, type of game uh, in the hopes that we can secure a victory uh, that would get us to six six wins. I mean, now we're already counting. Uh, uh, we're going to have to count at least one, if not two, upsets just to get the six wins. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's a, that's a that's a very high hill to climb. Uh, yep, it's going to be. It's going to be tough, but hey, 
we're Nebraska fans. We've been through a lot, and we'll, we'll stick with this team here. That's right. But, we're gonna. Uh, we're, we're, we're gonna do that, and uh, we'll cheer hard for them, and and hope like heck that that uh, these players can continue to work hard and and begin to understand the decision making part that is the the missing element. The fact that they don't understand some of these basics, you know, I almost feel for them. And it's like I I, I want I want to go into Scott Frost's office uh, office and say. Scott, let, let me let me let me coach a team for a day, and I'm going to cover every freaking fundamental basic thing I can think of, and get them to understand. Do you guys understand this? You're never going to do this again. This is never going to happen again. This over here, this situation, never going to happen again. Here's how it's supposed to happen, and under no circumstances do you do this, right? Yep. <laughs> and just get a nod from everybody so everybody understands that's the way we play this game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I, I'll look forward to that, Coach Pete Schmitz. Yeah, right. It's yeah, not gonna happen. <laughs> not cool. gonna happen. All right. Well, if I you all there, it. yeah, you would. If you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can find us on Apple Apple Podcasts. If you search for College Football Throwdown, you can leave us a rating or review there. We always love hearing from the fans. Um, we're also now on Spotify, so you can find us there as well. And. Um, also on Potomatic.com for those who use that website. So thank you all out there for listening. Thank you, Dad, for joining me for today's episode. And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red.